We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Welcome back to At Your Service with Brad Young this evening here on KMOX. We're going to be on till 11 o'clock this evening, so thanks for staying up late with us. And by the way, you know, a lot of times after 11 o'clock in times past uh, during uh, Overnight America, there would be a replay of the show. But recently they've been doing uh, KMOX Rewind, where they play some of the highlights of the KMOX shows during the day. But but tonight there's going to be something interesting. Right after uh, At Your Service ends at 11 p.m., the the St. Louis Talks, you know, are you missing Ryan? Are you just missing hearing Ryan Recker in the evening? And if the answer to that is yes, and let's be honest, how could it be anything other than yes? If that's where you are, then tonight at 11, we're going to be playing the podcast that was created today uh, for St. Louis Talks with Ryan Recker and Carol Daniel and Bo Matthews. Because during uh, games, when there are ga- uh, day, rather when there's days when there's games during the day, when that happens, they're still recording a podcast. You can certainly download that podcast at KMOX.com. Or if you're going to be up at 11 o'clock this evening, you can uh, stay tuned here to KMOX and hear the podcast that was recorded. Didn't go out over the air. But it was a podcast that was recorded uh, with Ryan and Carol and Bo. That's going to be coming your way at 11 o'clock this evening. So make sure that you stick around for that. Also, uh, did, you, did you see that the, uh, the helicopter on Mars flew again this week? It flew for the, I think, the fourth time flawlessly, no problems. And now they're going to start doing something that I think is really cool. They're going to, instead of flying the helicopter... And having it come back to the same place that it launched from. And they're calling it, and this is so cool, they're calling it the Wright Brothers Field on Mars. Uh, Instead of doing that, they're going to have this thing now going out and charting places for future landings. They're going to be looking for for, uh, geography uh, that's interesting for the rover to go and to examine and to investigate. They're going to be doing all kinds of very interesting things with this Mars rover. So make sure you keep track of that in the news because uh, it's literally everything that this helicopter does is groundbreaking and revolutionary because it shouldn't be able to fly on Mars, and yet it is. So make sure you keep track of that. The other thing that I thought was interesting today was uh, the birth rates. And, I, and and you if you think about 
birth rates. We, I mentioned before that that COVID has accelerated trends that were already in place. And one of those trends that we've seen over the last few years is a decrease of birth rates. People are having fewer children. And of course, COVID though has entered into a new dimension because not only have we had a slowdown of birth rates, but over the past year, of course, we've had an acceleration of death rates due to COVID. So Missouri last year uh, wasn't the only state, but a record 25 states reported a so-called natural decrease in population in 2020. In other words, the actual population decreased, not because people were moving to Texas or Florida or anything like that, but there was a decrease because of the reduced birth rate combined with deaths from COVID. And uh, I, I was reading this senior demographer at the Casey School of Public Policy, and he said that it was exceedingly rare for an entire state to log a natural population decrease. And it's never happened for 25 states to record such a thing. Now, here's the question that I have. I don't you you probably don't remember this. I was just a kid. Uh, but there was an urban legend back in in fact it was the year I was born in 1965. There was a blackout in New York City. It wiped out the whole eastern seaboard. I I don't re- recall exactly what was the cause of this power outage. But all the power went out. And there was always been this urban legend that that nine months after the power outage in New York, that there was this sudden spike in childbirths. That was an urban legend for a long time until someone actually looked at the numbers and said, yeah, no, no, there wasn't any real increase in births at nine months after the blackout. But, you know, people wanted to believe it because it sounds cool. Hey, all the lights are out. What are we going to do now? Well, I got some ideas. So, it was an interesting idea. My question is, is that nine months from now, are we going to see a spike in births because of the lockdown? You can't leave your house. You can't go to a restaurant. You can't go see a movie. Well, you know, there's always something else to do. So I I don't know if we're going to see that, but I'm going to be keeping track of the birth rate over the next few months to see if there's any increase in the child birth rate that can be attributed to COVID-19. Well, I'll tell you one thing that can be attributed to COVID-19, and that is a decrease of truckers. And we're going to get into that in just a few moments, but you know, we're going to speak to the CEO of an energy and transportation company about how all of the work shortages in the trucking industry are impacting everything from the price of groceries to the price of gasoline And so much of this, just like, again, accelerating trends that were already in place, can be attributed to COVID-19. It's a fascinating angle that has not been explored enough. We're going to be talking to Jim Grundy, owner and CEO of Texas-based energy company Sisu Energy, right after this. KMOX at your service with Brad Young. We'll be right back. Next Level Listening. News Radio 1120 AM, 98.7 FM. KMOX. The voice of St. Louis. Welcome back to Camo X at your service. Brad Young in this evening. 
Thanks for staying up late with us. And if undoubtedly, if you've bought anything at the store in the past few weeks, you've got to notice that prices are going up on everything. And amazingly, part of that, including gasoline prices, part of that reason comes from maybe a, a source that you didn't think about, and that is the lack of truckers. So to get the real information, to get to the, the bottom line of this, I wanted to reach out to Jim Grundy. He's the owner and CEO of Texas-based energy company, Sisu Energy. Hey, Jim Grundy, welcome to KMOX. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate your time this evening. You know, there have been um, multiple business news reports this week predicting that energy prices, including gasoline, are going to continue to spike throughout the summer. And normally we always see gasoline prices go up during the summer because of increased travel. But this year, perhaps more than what we've seen in recent memory. But it's not really based on the usual suspect of shortages or travel. It's it's due to truck drivers. How, how will the availability of truck drivers impact gasoline prices this summer? Well, it's not just gasoline. If you take a look at the cost of wood right now, it's all doubled in the last four months. You can go to any grocery store, especially down here in Texas. Uh, just just walk up and down the dry goods sections. You'll mm-hmm. see empty shelves. Um, and, it, and it's not incredibly bad. It's not, it's not uh, a cause for major alarm right now. But what's happening is, is uh, in 2020, and we talk about trickle-down economics, and, you know, it's a funny word we've used for years, but uh, it's what's happened. In 2020, it was so bad on industry and business around the country that er- behind every one of those companies and industries is a truck driver delivering product to and from. Mm-hmm. When you displace those companies and, and that commerce ceases to exist – Essentially, you're also taking the opportunity for these truck drivers to make money. So a lot of these guys, they lost their ability to earn income and and pay uh, pay for their tractors and, and provide for their families. So many of them retired. Many of them walked away, uh, had their trucks repossessed. You can go to any auction house, uh, especially down here in Texas, and you'll just see the lots filled with tractor trailers. So what happened is, is there was a shortage before the pandemic. They estimated about 20,000 trucks. Uh, now that we're kind of sifting through the rubble of, of, you know, what 2020 meant, and we're kind of seeing the macro effect uh, from an economic perspective, uh, they estimate now that we're short of about 100,000 trucks. Over the next wow. 10 years, they estimate we need 1 million new tractors on the road to support demand for all services around the country. So it's not just gasoline and, and distillates and oil uh, it's not just wood. We're talking basic groceries, clothing, uh, across the board. You're going to have major infrastructure problems, and it's not just uh, uh, something that we see in North America. It's 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 worldwide, really. Yeah, literally everything that that's in a grocery store is there because a truck driver brought it there. And, you know, it's it's one of those. It's common sense. I mean, we don't we take it for granted. We've in this country, I think we've done a really poor job, probably since the early '80s of. Uh, of identifying uh, truck drivers and appreciating their worth. Mm-hmm. And I think we're really going to uh, uh, understand that over the next two to five years. Um, because the other problem that we're seeing is we're not, we're not getting a lot of applicants, um, not just with our company, but just 
in trucking in general. Uh, I think I think our society has done a poor job of identifying wonderful opportunities, and mm-hmm. uh, one of those is truck driving. For instance, I've got uh, at CCU Energy here in Fort Worth. You know, we have twenty five, twenty six year olds making quarter million dollars net dollars a year and up, and that's more than hedge fund managers over in Wall Street. But we don't talk about that. No, we don't. It, it's, it's, it's the truth. It, it is. And and we're talking to Jim Grundy, owner and CEO of CSU Energy. And Jim, uh, I, I'm an attorney, and a lot of my clients, I represent a lot of trucking companies, uh, a lot of trucking companies here in the Midwest. And I'll tell you what they've told me, and I want to get your perspective on it. What they've told me is uh, one of the reasons why that they can't find enough truck drivers is because of two trends. One is, and you've already partially mentioned this, is that is that truck drivers, a lot of them have made good money. They tend to be a little bit on the older side, and they've decided to retire. And But on the other side, the flip side, in a normal year without COVID, you would expect there to be people graduating from truck driving schools who would then come in and take the place of those drivers, whether they're company drivers or owner-operators, to come in and take over those tractors that were previously driven by drivers who've retired. But because of COVID and all of the truck driving schools that have closed because of COVID, it's eliminated the supply of new drivers. Have you seen that or experienced that particular angle? No, I mean, that's an awesome point. You're absolutely right. But then you have some additional constraints. For instance, uh, now you're seeing insurance companies because of the risk appetite uh, in our climate with lawsuits and commercial companies really putting the bill, whether they're at fault or not. What you're seeing is commercial uh, insurance companies uh, won't insure anyone under the age of 25 for A-plus paper. On the flip side, you're like, well, why is A-plus paper important in the insurance world? Well, any decent company out there that you're trying to run for, they require A-plus papers. So now we're limiting our driver pool to 25 years and up. The other part to that is they also require two years' experience. So if you can't get insured to your 25, and then you need two years' experience to really enjoy the fruits of what's going on out there, uh, you're, you're, you might be 27 years old until you can enjoy some of this. Mm-hmm. So we have, some, we, have, we have a federal regulation opportunity here that we need to take a look at strongly. Uh, to to change the way uh, that we're promoting truck driving in general and understand the opportunities. Um, there's also a societal issue where I, I think, you know, we're, we're, we push a lot of people into college programs and, and tongue-in-cheek here. You know, I've got a master's degree, so I'm not sitting there saying that going to college is wrong and it's, it's done me very well, And but it's not for everybody. There's people out there, and we have a lot of college degree folks people that work for us because they, they do the math. They can come out at by 25-year-old. How many 25-year-olds really are entering the workforce making six figures? It's few and far between. You're, right? you're, you're exactly so you right. Have, so then you look at what we're doing, and, and we, you know, it's not just us. There's a lot of truck companies, and there's younger guys that are making a killing in this industry, and I, I think we need, we need to do a better job of promoting uh, what we consider blue-collar work, such as electricians and plumbers and truck drivers, and th- all those opportunities are six-figure opportunities out there. We're talking to uh, Jim Grundy. He's the owner and CEO of CSU Energy. And, and Jim, I, I always like to say that a successful company has to be more flexible than a yoga instructor. So whenever you look at, at your company, at CSU Energy, how did you respond to the pandemic? In other words, how are, you, how are you flexible to come out of the pandemic in a strong position? Well, uh, we came into the pandemic. 
pandemic, uh, you know, we were six months uh, old as a company. Uh, we had just started the company in late 2019 uh, in the fourth quarter, and we hit the ground running. And, and you know, in the first quarter, we, we were really healthy. But at the, at the end of the day, uh, it comes back to relationships. We had some relationships and business contracts that carry us through 2020, and we really didn't see a downturn until about August, and that lasted for about three weeks. But then on the backside of it, because we kept our doors open and because we, we remained strong, the opportunities that have, have presented itself have, uh, in, in a strange way, we came out of uh, the pandemic, uh, put us in position that we've, we've now positioned ourselves to realize even more fruits of what's going on, and there's more opportunities now. And here's a weird stat. In 2020, uh, uh, they estimate 34,000 trucking entities uh, went out of business. That represents a approximately 80,000 tractors. Some of those are one tractor entities, but when 34,000 companies are shuttered uh, within trucking, and then you look at the economy is starting to rebound itself and the demand of services are increasing every day, the problem's only going to get exacerbated even further. Well, I, and I appreciate your perspective on that, and, and we're, we're coming up here at the uh, bottom of the hour, but I do have one additional question that I want to ask you. And again, we're, of course, we're talking to, talking to Jim Grundy, owner and CEO of Sisu Energy. But for uh, uh, the rapid increase of online shopping, you know, we've talked about some of the things that have impacted the ability of industry to have truck drivers, but with this this just monumental increase of online shopping, which requires the shipping of more packages. How has that impacted the availability of drivers uh, in your industry? Well, I think, I think if anything, we need to embrace uh, the optimization, uh, the infrastructure, the technology, and it's created, it's created opportunity for people. Um, if people are out there looking, if someone's displaced or they're a former truck driver and they're not sure if they can shake it back to the industry, these platforms have really put a bigger demand on trucking services, right? So we run for Amazon. We're a big runner for Amazon and J.B. Hunt. But even that, you can take a look at, you know, J.B. Hunt. They're an amazing company. They're the biggest and the baddest in the country for moving freight. Uh, there's a major shortage there with those guys. And and right now, I think it just screams opportunity. I think people need to evaluate their circumstances and if truck driving is of interest and they want to get their family back on, you know, back on their feet, I think it's a wonderful opportunity to get back in the game. Well, Jim, if folks want more information on getting back in the game, more information on either getting back in the trucking industry or maybe just for the first time, uh, how can folks get a hold of you and find out more about CSU Energy? Yeah, well, you can visit our website at www.sisuenergyllc.com. That's S-I-S-U, energyllc.com. They can call us at 817-717-1616. We have a YouTube channel. We've got a Facebook page. Uh, We're on Google. So we we try to make ourselves as available and embrace the technology as best we can. Um, Right now, we're inundated with requests and just today, I think we had 48,000 hits on our website with a couple thousand applications. So people are interested. I think folks are ready to get back to work, and we're going to try to facilitate every single one of those. Well, I'm glad you're there. Jim Grundy, hey, thanks for joining us this evening on Camo X. Hey, thank you. Hey, when we come back, we're going to talk, uh, speaking about making money, college athletes. You know, college athletes want to make money uh, on their likeness. But what is the law in Missouri, and can college athletes make money on their likeness? We'll get into that issue right after this break here on At Your Service, KMOX. We'll be right back. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Get the inside story on what's happening with your St. Louis Cardinals this season directly from the Redbirds manager. It's the Mike Schilt Show, Sunday mornings at 10.15, sponsored by Bath Fitter, on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back to At Your Service. Brad Young with you this evening. And it's amazing. The hottest topic on our text line this evening You know, it's not these big issues about the pandemic, world peace, the price of gasoline, the availability of truck drivers. No, no, no. That's not what's the hottest topic on our text line. The hottest topic is, will we play Rebecca Black tonight? In fact, I've gotten four or five texts on that already. Will we play Rebecca Black? That is apparently the burning issue in St. Louis right now is whether we play Rebecca Black at the end of the show on Thursday nights. That's the question. Thank you, Mike. For those who who haven't been scarred by that song, uh, you just reminded them of how it goes. So, you know, what 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 do you think? Should we be playing Rebecca Black at the end of the show tonight? Yes or no? Text and call, however, smoke signals, whatever it takes. I want to hear the answer to this burning question. 314 314- Four three six seventy nine hundred. I I I mentioned before the break that even our legislators in Jefferson City, no, they're not dealing with Rebecca Black. They're talking about a lot of issues, and one of them in Jeff City is whether college athletes should be uh, allowed to make money on their likeness. And so there's legislation that passed in Jefferson City. I think it passed the House, and uh, and it also a different bill passed the Senate. So there's going to have to be a reconciliation of these two bills. But the bottom line issue here in Jefferson City on the college athletes is that Missouri, in all likelihood, will pass a law that will allow college athletes to get paid on their likenesses. That's what they're going to allow. And I don't know if that's a good idea or not. I've got some ideas on it. Uh, Dr. Bob Onder was on with us earlier, and uh, he uh, I didn't ask him about that particular question. But if this proposal becomes law, 
then Missouri would really join a growing list of states that that would specifically allow student athletes to profit from, you know, stuff like their name and their image and their likeness and their reputation. And it would not place their scholarships in jeopardy. Now, one of the things that's that's being touted to support this bill is competition. What do I mean by that? Well, other states like Alabama, they already allow students to profit from their their name and their likeness. Until now, Missouri has not. So uh, Eli uh, Drinkwitz, he's the football coach at Mizzou, he was asked about it, and he said that with recruiting, it places Missouri at a disadvantage because uh, if a guy can go to – go to college in Alabama and make money off his name now instead of just playing to say, well, hopefully in the future I'm going to make big buckets of money. If he can make some money on that now, then why would he want to come to Mizzou where he's prohibited from doing that if he can go to Alabama and start making money now? So so they're touting it as a recruitment tool that will allow Missouri universities to attract a higher quality of whether it's basketball, football, those are the two prime areas, although certainly secondarily perhaps baseball and other sports, but primarily football and basketball. And it would allow, uh, according to the proponents, it would allow them uh, to uh, to have a leg up on recruiting or more likely they wouldn't just be at a disadvantage in recruiting when it comes to competing for that top tier of athletes. So I want to bring on Mike Anderson because he, producer extraordinaire, very much of a uh, sports expert. Uh, Mike, what do you think about this issue? You know, you just told me I was coming on. I need about a day to prepare for this issue because there's <laughs> so much that goes into it. But what, so, comes to, what comes to mind, though? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is just being torn because I see, you know, yeses and nos on both sides. So, I mean... The kids are getting scholarships, so to me, that is a form of payment already. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a hundred grand that other students are paying that they don't have to. Um, on the other side, I think you know if the school is profiting and the NCAA is obviously making tons of money off these kids, um, that side, you know, you'd think yes, those kids should have every right to. If if people are profiting off their performance, why wouldn't they be entitled to some of the rewards of that? Mm-hmm. rather than the same organizations and administrations becoming rich off their efforts. Well, one of the things, and listen, I'm coming to you as someone, and you and you know this, you and I have talked about this, but my oldest daughter uh, received a four-year scholarship to, to University of Kansas for rowing. So she got a full-ride scholarship for four years. It didn't pay for 100%, but it paid for an enormous amount of her college education. And so my wife, who's the Mizzou grad, said, that's the really the only way that she would want a child of hers to go to Kansas is if they paid for it themselves. But uh, but but jokes aside, my point being is that I'm a recipient of of scholarship money for an athlete. But according to the universities, uh, if the, if if any of these types of actions would reduce the amount of money that a student would generate or the sports teams would generate, they use the money from sports revenue to help fund other scholarships like academic scholarships and scholarships for sports that don't generate any money. Like again, my daughter in rowing, that program doesn't generate $10 in revenue. So every scholarship that went to students like my daughter, that money had to come from somewhere. And it probably came from revenue from basketball, certainly not football at KU, but it certainly came from basketball. (laughs) They don't make any revenue on football in Kansas. 
Um, but uh, how does that factor in? In other words, if it reduced the amount of money that a school would have, it could actually impact their ability to give scholarships for uh, students, for academics, or athletes who aren't in uh, areas that generate a lot of revenue. Yeah, and it could also push even more uh, student athletes than ever um, to only focus on basketball and football, which I realize is already, you know, kind of the case. They seem to get the bulk of the athletes in America these days, but kind of makes you wonder what's going to happen to the baseball and the hockey and the Mm -hmm. soccer and the volleyball and golf and all these other sports rowing, like you mentioned, that, um, you know, are great activities, but don't make the revenue. So, you know, what happens to the next American crop of athletes in those sports if everyone's only focused on getting paid through basketball and football? Right. Well, I'm really torn on this because my libertarian, my very strong libertarian streak in me says, why should... If, if a student has in college a presence that is sellable, then why should he or she be prevented from profiting on their skills? Right. And so that really strikes me as a, as a libertarian concept that, that we're holding back these students' opportunity to make money because, listen, if they get hurt and they blow an ACL their senior year in college, their career could be over. Mm-hmm. So now might be the only time they've devoted their entire lives to be at the peak performance of athleticism, and then they blow a knee in their senior year and their career's over. At least they would have had an opportunity to make some money since they've put in such an enormous investment since childhood. But on the other hand, legally, I always have questions like, if if these students become quasi-employees, does that mean now they can start a, a union? You know, the, the, the union of... Uh, a collegiate football players guild 101. You know, I suddenly are they unionized? Can they go on strike? Uh, do they get workers' compensation benefits if they get hurt? You know, those are all the implications if they're considered employees. Do we really want to bring that element in to college athletics? And the answer is clearly no, we don't. But here are some students that really should be able to to profit off of their their God-given talents and their hard work and and, uh, effort and dedication, why shouldn't they be allowed to profit from that? Yeah, and I think another thing to consider is a lot of um, students in college obviously work their way through college. Um, If you're a student athlete on a a large team, uh, probably a football or basketball team, a lot of times you don't have the time to work a job throughout college. I mean, your sport is your job. So Yes, it is. You know, if you're recruited from, you know, say say you're not the most well-off family and you get taken to college away from your family and there's heavy heavy rules against, you know, coaches helping you out financially aside from a scholarship. Um, so if you're dedicating all your time to your sport and you can't work, you know, that's got to be a tough situation for kids from less fortunate families that they were able to go to the, the school because of the scholarship, but uh, they're not able to work to support themselves throughout their time there. Yeah, my daughter spent 25 hours a week rowing when she was at, at in Lawrence, Kansas. 25 hours a week. Well, when I was in college, I had a job. I worked 20 hours a week when I was in college, and that was really all I could do to work 20 hours a week and go to college. I mean, that was kind of hard to do that. And my daughter was rowing 25 hours a week, and that does not include time that she had to spend in the gym, working out, doing the rowing machine, running laps in the weight room. That's all in addition to the 25 hours that she spent rowing every week, in addition to going to her college classes. So your point is well made. 
that if those scholarships were suddenly not available because of the decreased in revenue to the university, that would really put some of these kids in, in jeopardy. I would agree. And, and also another thing is even, even if you get the full ride and you play four years, even if you're a star player for that matter, um, you know, the odds are you're still not going to make a lifetime's worth of money in, right. in your sport. You know, exactly. it's such a small percentage, even for the best college athletes, that you're going to become a well-paid, you know, 10-year pro mm -hmm. in your sport and be able to live off that. So, like I said, I can see it both ways. Yeah, I can too. Um, so it's it's just an interesting discussion that it, I don't know it, it really when it'll is. be resolved. It really is an interesting discussion, but it looks like at least Missouri's going to resolve it on the side of allowing athletes to some extent to make money off of their name and their image uh, and their reputation. And I think that's a good thing, even though, you know, most of the time I see things kind of black and white, but boy, I can argue either side of this equally well because uh, there are, it's a multifaceted issue, but like it or not, it looks like uh, uh, college athletes will start to be allowed to uh, to make money in Missouri, at least if this bill passes it within the next two weeks. What are your thoughts? Should college students be allowed to make money on their image? Should they be treated as employees? Or are we rushing people to become uh, uh, making money before they're even out of college? Should that be reserved for true, true college amateur Athletes. 314-436-7900. Would love to hear your perspective. Brad Young at your service on KMOX. Earning St. Louis's trust for 96 years. This is KMOX. Brad Young at your service tonight on KMOX. Text lines are going crazy tonight. For people saying yes to Rebecca Black, I am truly shocked. I'm shocked and I'm humbled. But keep those text messages coming in, 314-436-7900. The topic du jour here at the moment, should college athletes get paid? Yes or no? And I can make the argument on either side. What do you think? 314-436-7900. Al's got an opinion on this. Hey, Al, welcome to Camo X. Thank you. I absolutely believe college athletes should be able to earn income, and here's why. Okay. No, no organization combines cluelessness, greed, arrogance, and sanctimoniousness like the NCAA. <laughs> One of their... Wait, wait. Hey, Al, do you, do you have an opinion on this? I mean, don't sugarcoat your thoughts on it. Tell me what you really think. Well, one of the NCAA's arguments has been, well, it's always been this way. We've had this scholarship system for a century. Okay, the revenues a century ago for the NCAA were tiny. So if you're willing to go back to 1920s revenues, maybe I'll listen to your argument. <laughs> yeah, right. Any, any uh, 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 person, president of a university makes more now than all of the, of the revenue from sports 100 years ago, of course. There's a ton of money the athletes help generate it, so why shouldn't they get a share of the proceeds? You know what? I, I, I really do agree with you, Al, even though I've got some concerns about it. I, I think that's the best way to go. I mean, why should an athlete be prevented from making some money when it's his or her effort, his or her talent, his or her God-given skill, and his or her ability to develop that talent? Why should they be prevented from making money in here, the, the capitalist center of the world? I, I agree with you, Al, and I appreciate you sharing your opinion. Thank you. Thanks for calling in. Now, Mike has 
a solution. Hey, Mike, what's your solution? The solution is, guys, whoever uh, ends up on the team, say Division One or Three or whatever it is, they play sports in the college, wherever it is, Illinois, Missouri, mm-hmm. Drake. They guarantee them four years of the free ride after if they crap out, you know, in sports. They give them an education. That's the idea, right? So you do that, and you guarantee them the four years they should have gotten when they've been so dedicated, which they need to be, to compete at the high level. Very easy. I talked to the NCAA years ago, and nobody seemed to think that was a good idea, but I think that that solve all of these problems, right? No so, matter what, you get a college education. That's why you're in school, right? Right. So let me make sure I get this straight. Your solution is instead of making a scholarship a year-to-year thing, your your idea is make a scholarship a four-year commitment where the university agrees to pay the college tuition for four years. So even if that student-athlete gets injured or what have you, can't continue to play, they've still received the benefit of getting a complete education as a result of their skill and efforts that were given for the university. Did I, did I phrase that correctly? Correct, because they're, they are student-athletes, correct? They are. I mean, that's what we, we see every weekend. They, so they, they're very simple. Yep, they want to be an engineer, a teacher, whatever level they want to achieve. Give them the opportunity. If they don't make it through there, then that's okay. It happens to every college kid anyway, right? Mm-hmm. But you can't compete because it's hard to do that. You've got some kids, gals, guys that do well, but that's a very difficult thing to do. It is. Don't hey, Mike, we've got some other calls I want to get to before Thank the you. end of the hour. Hey, thanks for calling in this evening on X. Glenn, uh, what's your take on this, Glenn? Well, uh, I would uh, first off, I'll address the issue on the college athletes. Yeah, um, I know uh, the controversy and stuff, but uh, first off, I think college athletes in a lot of cases are given some benefits that are not given to other students. So when they're a student at the college, then I think that they are there to get an education. And the athletics at that point is a different means to perhaps even what they want to pursue in life. But when that happens, the education is your backup to when you're not, when you don't have that ability to perform to earn that money later on down the road. So first off, I think the athletics overshadows the education in a lot of cases. Well, before you, and, and, well, well, before you move on to the next point, here, here's my only, and I'm not arguing with you, and I'm certainly not telling you that you're wrong, but the, but the other view that I've heard is, if you look at a lot of these student-athletes, the degrees that they get when they're student-athletes are really not the same kind of degrees. They're, they're lesser degrees uh, because they're focusing so much on athletics. But, hey, we've only got a minute left, uh, Glenn. What's your second point? Uh, I would like to go back to the comment you made about uh, President Biden yes. not assuming any risk in, make, in mentioning God on the National Prayer Day. I think he did take a risk. His risk was in a different area than what you were looking at. Uh, he chose not to mention because I think that's where this nation is headed. Um, in a lot of cases, God has been taken out of schools, out of courthouses, in all places. And under the liberal leadership that we do have right now, I think that was a true intention. Rather than having a president that focused on religion, 
Well, and Glenn, I would like to go back. Glenn, I, I agree with you completely, but we're coming up on a hard break, my friend. Thanks for calling in this evening. We're going to have to let you go. We'll be right back on X at your service. Don't go away. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 